Hey, potential podcast listeners, let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in discreet packaging. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. These results are reviewed by a clinician, and a member of the Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. And Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So, if you want to avoid an uncomfortable office visit or prefer the convenience and get tested at home, visit trylgc.com potential and get 25% off your test using code POTENTIAL25. Once again, that's 25% off your test by going to trylgc.com potential using the promo code POTENTIAL25. Take charge of your physical health and well-being, and let's get checked. This episode is a sponsored partnership by Keen. So, you finally decided that you want to seek psychic advice, but now you're just sitting there and you're asking yourself, why Keen? Shouldn't I just look into psychics near me? It would probably be a lot easier. Our response? Why would you? Keen connects you with talented tarot readers and astrologers. If you want to get a reading on Keen, it's super easy to start. They've been giving trustworthy readings since 1999, over 35 million to be exact. All you have to do is create an account, and you'll be able to choose from hundreds of readers who are online right now. These readers each have unique specialties designed to provide a deeper understanding of your situation. Want to learn more about your love life? What's your financial future look like? Are you looking for a closure from a deceased loved one? Keen has a reader ready to provide clarity and insight. You can choose whichever reader best suits your needs, and you'll be able to connect via phone call or text. Just go to trykeen.com potential. As a new customer on Keen, you can try your first 10 minutes for only $1.99, which is up to $99 in savings. Once again, that's trykeen.com potential. Get your first 10 minutes for $1.99. And remember, know your potential. Talking all things entertainment, pop culture, and nerdum, this is The Potential Podcast. Welcome back to the Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Dewar, and I'm joined by my co-host and just all-around destructive monster himself, Taylor Sokol. Only on the dance floor. That's, oh, good point. How you doing, Taylor? How you doing? Doing good. And this is the first time you and I are both recording from similar locations, maybe different parts of the world, but we're both in closets. Uh Hey, it's the I've, best thing for soundproof. We've, I found the best thing, and, and actually other professional podcasters are doing it. Jenna Fisher said she was doing it. But um, I'm doing good. 
very uh, excited, uh, happy. <laughs> By the time we record this, uh, we're in already in the month of April, which is exciting. Yeah, it's our first full episode of April. Here we are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, exciting times. You know, we're getting into April, and uh, uh, man, we're getting closer and closer to Mortal Kombat. I'm just so excited for that, just because even though I feel like it's going to be another movie where the plot may be complete junk, it just looks like the most accurate visualization of those video games on screen and you it's know it's a shame yeah it t- took so long for this to come out i mean after the mm-hmm. the, the first two eh, and i never actually saw the first two i never I you've just, never I, seen the first two no. well don't watch don't <laughs> no okay i'm leaving now. Doing now. <laughs> you should watch the first one for mm-hmm. just entertainment's sake mortal kombat annihilation which we'll 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 talk about when we get to reviewing the new one that is a, uh, a joyful piece of crap. Uh, my <laughs> okay. gosh, it's so bad. Uh, but again, something's going to connect to our episode today, a product of its time and a product of the CGI and the product of the you know visual effects that they had during the filming of that. Uh, uh, you know, when we're talking about movies that need to have uh, visually accurate creatures or demons or giant monsters, uh, you know, if you don't have the budget or the money to really make them look as real life, you know, make them real realistic, uh, you got to have to make do with what you can. And sometimes that's what really hurts the film. Uh, Annihilation has some moments in there, but we'll have to do a double feature. That'll be a past potential pick uh, coming up to have you, <laughs> you do go. a double feature of the Mortal Kombat movies. But um, yeah, you know, I'm excited. There's a lot of things going on. We got the Falcon and Soldier continuing right now. And uh you know, we're just getting closer and closer to more things. Uh, all, this, all these things are being announced. I'm really pumped because finally we've got a release date uh, for the second half of our, our favorite show, Lucifer, for Netflix. Yeah, Lucifer's coming, coming back May. end of May. So uh, a lot of exciting things to look forward to, you know, as we get more into spring and, of course, the summer season, the blockbuster season. But sometimes we get blockbusters pre the summer, and we're in that case right now. We have the current most uh, up-to-date iteration of Godzilla and the King Kong franchise. We have Godzilla versus King Kong. Not the first time these two have gone head to head. No, definitely the first time. And the most beautifully visual aspect that we have nowadays with, of course, the gift of CGI. So we wanted to break it down and talk about these two iconic, like probably two of the biggest, I mean, literally size wise and just of course, fame wise. Yeah. You, it's hard to think of anyone who's never heard the, the name Godzilla or King Kong. I mean, you could go in the most remote, you know, town of the remote, most remote country. And you mention any of those names, they'll know who the heck you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, they've just been around for quite a long time. Uh, there've been so many films for both of those monsters. Uh, and it's just neat to see the evolution of how they've gone from, you know, really for most of them guys dressed up in suits to kind of more what we're used to now with you know full fully realized cgi like really realistic looking uh films so today we're talking about godzilla and king kong which oh i love godzilla and king kong do you have any can you do you have any early memories of you know either one that you can think of offhand um for you know you know childhood it's a fun fun thing you said. We'll start off with King Kong since that was probably the oldest. It is the oldest of the two mm-hmm. in terms of age. Uh, I do remember growing up 
and uh, watching TV. And I remember, I think it came on the original 1933 King Kong came on the TV. And I was Old just like, school. oh, this is really cool. And this is more of the stop motion um, kind of like almost claymation, so to speak. Um, I was like, wow, this is the coolest thing ever. And um, it was interesting because of when that movie came out, some of the stuff that happened in it, it's like, it was kind of like a bit big and, and a bit um, a little dark and a little risque at the time. Um, some of the stuff that is seen in that movie for to come in the 1930s. Um, I just remember like some of the stuff that's that film has been changed so much because we saw, I saw all these different like deleted scenes that are not in the original, but that was really cool. And then I think Godzilla, I think the earliest iteration I remember was I was watching cartoon network and there's a show. It was like Godzilla and Godzuki or something. <laughs> Sound like that. Where, yeah. Yeah. And then like Godzuki was like the younger cousin of Godzilla and Godzilla was kind of like <laughs> would come in, like help this, like, it was like a little band of heroes and they like all of a sudden Godzilla saved the day. And I remember that was like the time of Johnny quest and all that, but that was like the two that I really remembered. Um, and of course, I guess the closest thing to King Kong that I would like as a kid was Donkey Kong. So that was the, that was the Kong. True. I mean, you can look at Donkey Kong as being, you know, he is a big ape like character that you would play as, uh, uh, and I think, you know, for Godzilla in a similar way, you might look at, uh, you know, we had creatures and giant things in the Power Rangers uh, show all the time that was very reminiscent of, you know, mm-hmm. oh, typically yeah. it was a guy in a suit that was going around destroying this town. And then the Power Rangers would have to get into their, Me- you know, Megazord, their yeah. Megazord and they have to take him down. It was very, you know, reminiscent of like a lot of these old films. But I definitely I have some memories of seeing I, I don't I, I can't say I've ever seen the whole film, but yes, the 1933 king kong film with the stop motion and that was that really was kind of the thing in in the 30s 40s and probably in the 50s you know there's you think of some of those movies that came out that were like supposed to feature dinosaurs and things and they they would do stop motion and it was you know probably for the time it might have been like oh wow that's so cool looking but of course you know as time goes on we get into that crazy era of guys in suits which we're gonna touch on quite a bit here but uh, yeah, pretty neat to think that King Kong uh, first iteration, 1933, uh, released by RKO Pictures, directed by Marion C. Cooper. I mean, like, that's a, you know, I think, okay, we're only really, you know, 11, 12 years away from 100 years since that movie's been released. It just feels like literally to think of ancient, to think of how long that is. Uh, King Kong currently has had or been you know featured in 12 movies uh so very long lasting uh you know thinking that we still have a movie today i definitely had some great memories when i would go when i was younger to universal studios and i remember going king kong ride um well for florida it was king kong ride okay and on the west coast we have the hollywood studio tour ride for universal studios out here where you actually do about a 45 minute tour on trams through a bunch of the back lots where they actually filmed oh, a lot of their cool. movies. And there was a section you'd go into that. It was probably the exact same thing as they had mm-hmm. in Florida or Florida copied it, whatever the case might be. And you went through a whole, you know, New York destruction. And there was a giant got a uh, King Kong, you know, like animatronic Fist thing and, and slamming things. And it would like, you know, be punching on the thing and it'd be so loud and crazy. And it would have banana breath. I mean, like, it was so funny. Authentic. Um, 
but I remember, you know, it was it was huge. So definitely as a kid, there was a you know a terrifying aspect to it. And something I think about both these monsters is that you are really as a kid given to believe, oh, they are literally so big that like we think of dinosaurs and like the T-Rex, whatever. No, this is like supposed to be like five times the size of a T-Rex. Yeah, like, it's like know, their toenail is bigger than my whole body. Like, that is something that you really are, you know, you're given to believe is that Godzilla and King Kong are supposed to be just huge. Uh, so I always have memories of that. Now with Godzilla, Godzilla came out later. Uh, 1954 was Godzilla's first uh, time you know, in pop culture. Now, actually, Godzilla is technically considered the longest running film franchise of all time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Currently at 36 films, just because of the time length, you know, it's been going on for quite some time. A lot of the films for Godzilla are more, they're they're mostly of the Japanese, you know, uh, nature, filmed in Japan, of course, and, you know, English subtitles, et cetera, et cetera. And many of them, are these kind of 50s, 60s, 70s guys wearing suits to be either Godzilla or the creatures that they fight, the various monsters that he fights. And it's just funny to think like, yeah, I'm sure in childhood I've seen clips of these movies galore. You know, you can't really have gone without seeing something like this or it's just on TV one day you might have caught it, but thinking about me now and thinking of the things we see all the time there's something of respect to go and look at those films and go you know they were really trying to make it look as realistic as possible mm-hmm. yeah the force perspective you know was always really well done and they'd have a lot of miniature sets so that godzilla was really destroying you know tokyo or whatever it might be but there is just something about like watch them i go like gosh like it's just hard to kind of buy into some of it because it looks so cheesy. You yeah, know? it's just too hokey. And I think, I mean, earliest memories of when we really started getting, when costumes and animatronics and puppetry started getting really good was what I would say in the late seventies when Star Wars kind of came on the scene. And so it would take several years before that. But even so, even after that, all these films, they didn't really change much. It was still just maybe a little bit better looking, but still a guy in a suit beating the crap out of another guy in a suit. Which is exactly what you would see in, you know, like I said, the the Power Rangers or other films. You know, there was other films that were kind of based around the same type of, you know, or maybe it's a, a creature from space or whatever. You'd see a lot of that because it, it just was the cheapest way to do it. You know, they didn't have the technology to, you know, have an animated monster on screen and make it look realistic. You know, we see now plenty of those films where it's like purposely meant to be, Oh, it's live action and animated. It doesn't really work so well in this time period. You know, imagine a 2d animated Godzilla with a real life. It would not have worked, you know, but um, of course the famous company that has been, you know, in charge of Godzilla for some years is Toho. And, uh, like I said, 36 films by this point. Now, of course, we've had the newer iterations, and we'll get to that later. But um, do you have you seen any of these in its in their entirety? I mean, there's so many, and they really are kind of funny title because it's it's very, you know, nowadays we look at a lot of sequels and like even the ones we're having now, you know, some of them are the exact same name as some of these old ones. But I mean, it pretty much breaks it down pretty funny. It's, you know, Godzilla, 
Godzilla raids again. King Kong versus Godzilla. So they just switched it around for today. Invasion of the Astro Monster. Son of Godzilla. Godzilla versus Hedora. You know, yeah. it goes on and on. I mean, it's you look at that era of like the B movie, even like horror movies. This is like straight in that kind of style. And I mean, like people just keep eating it up. It's kind of fascinating that so many of the same kind of style have have continued to be produced and made. Well, and it's and it's also funny the fact that I think as Americans, as we, you know, Godzilla and Japanese culture is synonymous in that little bit of pop culture. We always like, you know, oh, look out, it's Godzilla. And I mean, just that's what we, you know, we think it's it's that's like a huge part of that, that not just the, the pop culture, but just it just it linked together like that. And I think that's why, you know, King Kong is with more Americanized. It's very funny that we have like these big titans of uh of uh, movie film industry it's nuts yeah it's true like in a way like king kong really is more of an american you know i guess you could say folklore if you will and maybe that maybe that has something to do too with the fact that i mean there's multiple nations that are that are a little obsessed with bigfoot or the yeti but like definitely here in america we definitely have a huge uh love and adoration of the mystery of bigfoot and i think king kong plays into that you know this idea of this this mysterious skull island where this these giant apes you know and and the fact that what what's more american like you look at the real the base plot of godzilla and the base plot of king kong king kong's base plot is our obsession with trying to showcase the you know the wonders of the world and to bring those things to America so that people can pay to see them, you know, capitalizing on that. And then of course the tragedy of what happens through that, you know, King Kong escapes and, you know, causes destruction. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, eventually killing the beast in the end, spoiler alert. I mean, if you haven't seen King Kong by now in any <laughs> form, sorry, you know, up. Um, if you don't know about the famous scene of him climbing the empire, you know, uh, tower Swat, and swatting and, away uh, fly, yeah. you know air helicopters i don't know what's wrong with you but it really is interesting that that is kind of the the base story whereas godzilla's base story which is heavily more in japan is you know these radioactive tests of nuclear tests causing a like an iguana to you know disform into this mythical creature that's giant and has powers and stuff and really destroying just that's that's his goal is to just destroy came out of the fear and the dangers of you know nuclear war and uh nuclear testing i mean again you think in coming to the 50s you know right after the onset uh, after world war ii not long after and uh this also just the hype of the b movies the b sci-fi films where also you think about all those movies like them you know with the giant ants or you know giant (laughs) cats all these things you know, right around that time, Godzilla's that was like the mainstay, and this is like, oh my gosh! And you know, we well, let's fight fire with fire. It's like, no, it makes Godzilla more powerful. Like, let's throw a bomb at him. No, so and then Godzilla. It was that fear of that Godzilla was a villain, just like King Kong, as we've been kind of afraid of. Okay, then you know we need to fear them. But then at a certain point, it turned around where they're they may need to be feared, but more respected that they could be possibly an ally or mm-hmm. a hero which is very interesting how they kind of they've changed the narrative many times over the year yeah they have morphed it into with some of them especially more of our new ones that 
they they can be a hero for us. They can fight these other really more dark or sinister creatures. And of course, that's something that we love is we love watching monsters fight. And that's something, you, you know, it's been around for a long time. But there are some, though, where it really is like, you know, Godzilla originally was set out to be this person that just goes and destroys everything and has to be killed uh, if it can be killed. But then you start getting the introduction of all these other creatures, which is, you know, I still I still remember playing a game. Gosh, I couldn't tell you what system it was on, but I remember having a Godzilla video game where it was essentially like Mortal Kombat, but it was Godzilla and the various, uh, you know, different monsters. And it was like you could pick like like any of them. And it, it literally was like a fighting game. And it was like so awesome. I think I know what you're talking about, but I think with with the onset of the, la- the latest films coming out, they need to re- remake those. Um, they really should because there's been a you know there's been a lot of uh, you know even the newer ones were getting more representation, and especially nowadays, you think about with the the way that video games can really capture a lot of you know CGI uh, and the better graphics, they could do a lot. Um, of course, some of the famous ones. Uh, King Ghidorah, of course, is probably one of the most famous adversaries for Godzilla with that that famous, you know, the kind of like the dragon looking with the three heads. Uh, Mothra, the giant moth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rodan, the giant kind of flying uh, creature. And then, of course, then we got into the mecha, you know, situations where there was these giant robot versions of these monsters. I mean, like, pretty fun when you think about it that and that's why I think heavily was influenced into Power Rangers yeah. and other uh, other you know Japanese manga. And you think of stuff like um, uh, what's that show like Thunderbirds or whatever it was called. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Thundercats. Thundercats. There we go. Like yeah. you know, think of that and like Thunderdogs. Other, whatever. Other, other just so many of those like seventies mm-hmm. and eighties cartoons and comics that I think heavily were influenced from both Godzilla and oh, King Kong. Oh, and, hugely influenced. So we're still seeing it today, which is which is insane. But it's amazing the power of the influence it has on that. That this is our childhood. When you mentioned Power Rangers, I was like, "Oh my gosh, you're right." Those battles alone were—that's, you know, Godzilla of our youth. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm looking back here. I'm pretty sure the game I had was called Godzilla Destroy All Monsters Melee, and I had it for the GameCube, and it was—I uh, think that's when it was—and you could like fight as different ones of the monsters and it had like a storyline as well i mean and there's been quite a bit actually of video games for godzilla um i don't know if there's been as many for king kong but that might be because there has really been that heavy donkey kong presence that already is kind of and then also think of uh think of rampage also as a yeah i mean before that before donkey kong you had the early mario games where it's just this monkey throwing barrels and uh, hold the princess so you have their but yeah, Rampage, um, which of course spawned into a recent film as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Donkey Kong, I think that's probably why there hasn't been so many video games of it. Uh, with the exception of a very good game, and we'll talk about the movie, but the Peter Jackson, they did one of those pretty successful movie uh, game adaptations of a movie. Okay. And that was kind of cool because you could play as Jack Darrow and you could play oh, as nice. Kong. So you could do okay. like two different things, which I was for the graphics at the time. It was pretty cool. I, I played on PC. I was a gamer at the time. Nerd alert. <laughs> <laughs> now, mentioning, as we were talking about, the guys in suits. Um, first off, there was, you know, uh, the Toho company. 
really had quite a specific uh, look and idea of how Godzilla was supposed to look, how it was supposed to be filmed. So they were very uh, particular on that. So I think also played into some of the aspects of having a person in a costume is, you know, that was the best way they could represent the visualization of the creature. Um, but it's funny to think like you can watch some videos. I mean, you can find a lot of this on YouTube. Uh, you know, some things are available on HBO Max and other streaming sites. But, um, you know, looking like the classic, uh, you know, the really the first iteration of Godzilla versus King Kong. Uh, this is like in the 60s here. And um, you can just tell like <laughs> it just looks so it was a uh, 1962. It's so funny because, you know, if, you, if you've already been seeing some of the trailers for this new iteration, uh, you know, King Kong is huge. You, you really couldn't fly him. You know, they just like they had to do with the original kind of playing off the original, uh, you know, movie in the story. King Kong has to be sent by boat. You know, he's so big that really you couldn't probably fly him. So they have like, you know, a big kind of carrier that's taken him to New York. Well, in this 1962 version where Godzilla and King Kong have to fight on Mount Fuji, he he's being lifted by balloons and <laughs> this helicopter is kind of going next to him and he's being floated to Mount Fuji. And of course it's a guy in a suit uh, like any other gorilla suit you'd see in any other movie where a person is wearing a gorilla suit. Um, I mean, I think even the one on trading places look better than, uh, than this movie. And it, just this great funny visualization of like the balloons popping and then him falling down onto the side of the volcano there and the mountain and then literally sliding into Godzilla and the guys in the Godzilla suit starts doing backflips. You know, he starts to back somersault down the hill. And it's just like, you're like, it's so goofy looking. I'm like, how am I supposed to take this as some, you know, real intense (laughs) epic fight threat. Uh, So it is funny to, to think and, even with the creatures that were not Godzilla. I mean, Godzilla also made sense because it's a creature that stands up. It has that, you know, it kind of fits the build of how humans can work into a suit. But thinking of some of those other monsters, I mean, it just feels like they had to kind of do what they could. Um, But again, so many of these films were all kind of 60s, 70s, 80s. And it wasn't really until, it really wasn't until the 90s when we started to get more of the visualization with CGI. which is where the good stuff starts to come in, whether you like it or hate it. Um, definitely that was one. It looked more real. And I think even look of think of a movie like Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park, this iconic movie that combined puppetry with animatronics and CGI. And that was the first time realistically it was like, whoa. Well, and of course Spielberg had cited that Godzilla was an inspiration for Jurassic Park, specifically Godzilla King of the Monsters in 1956. He grew up watching that. So during Mm. the production, he described Godzilla as the most masterful of all the dinosaur movies because it made you believe it was really happening. And of course, that inspired him to do Jaws as well. So you kind of think, and think about Godzilla. He is kind of a creature of the deep where he swims underwater and he's got the fin, his uh, little uh, kind of stegosaurus frills. So, which is really cool to think that even later down the line though that stuff he that type of filming though and the western style like with Spielberg and stuff they were able to make these kind of monster epics that made you really get into it even though the Japanese still was pretty hokey for quite a while yeah and maybe maybe that was you know I think part of the, part of the charm because maybe part, yeah maybe part of the charm because a great thing about those movies is actually a lot of the uh 
the actors and really, really uh, get to tell these, you know, compelling stories and, you know, uh, something that I think a lot of the movies today have, have tried to copy is although you're there to see the monster, you know, there has to be some kind of story surrounding it with humans. And- it's a hard it's a hard thing to do to balance that because we we came for you know these two monsters not uh, for a love story or something but you still want to have a bit of the stakes you want to have a bit of that compelling thing because hey whoever whoever wins whoever beats it up you know we're okay we're gonna move on but yeah exactly so yeah uh, well we're gonna take a quick break here and when we come back we're really gonna break down more of the modern takes on King Kong and Godzilla which is much more of what we have experienced in our life. We'll be right back with uh, more talk on Godzilla and King Kong. Hello, and welcome back to Inside the Actor's Studio. Tonight on the program, we have an actor, nay, a performer, Nay, an icon of the silver screen. He made his screen debut in 1933 and has been entertaining the masses for almost nine decades. Welcome, King Kong. Hello, James. Thank you for having me in the studio. I'm quite a fan of your program. Well, let me tell you. There can be no bigger fan of your work than me. Speaking of big, your size has always been impressive on and off the screen. How have you stayed in shape all these years? It's all about balance, James. I climb a lot to stay lean, often fighting other large titans to stay strong. And although I sometimes enjoy the meat of my dead victims... I stick mainly to heavy fish diet. That's incredible. You are a gifted climber and have reached heights no other primate has. Which brings me to this question. What is your least favorite word? Monkey. People always call me a big monkey. Do you see a tail? (laughs) Oh, quite good. Now, what turns you on. A pint-sized woman, especially if she's blonde. Kong, you rascal, you. Now, in 1962, you went head-to-head with another larger-than-life star, which would go down as the greatest matchup in the history of all time. I'm, of course, referring to Godzilla. Mm. Off-screen, are you two friends or still enemies? Oh, the rivalry's on screen only. It's all pretend. It's make-believe. We actually get together and play poker once a month. I respect his work so much, and he has definitely took the monster movie biz in a whole new direction. Now, in 2005, director Peter Jackson brought you back into the limelight. Dare we talk about the CGI makeover? Well, I was over 70 years old by that point. It's a smart move, and I looked incredible. You still do. Tell me, Kong, what profession, other than your own, would you like to attempt? I've always wanted to be an architect. I typically end up destroying a lot of buildings, but 
I've got some great ideas for taller folk like me. I have one final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? You're unfit. You'll have to go through the back. Well, King Kong, thank you for coming on the show today. I don't think the world has ever seen a star so bright who shines on the screen with the power of all the titans combined. May you continue to be a symbol of joy for years to come. Thank you, James. It truly has been an honor. Until next week, this has been James Lipton. Good night. After the success of Godzilla vs. Kong, the latest hit of the MonsterVerse franchise, filmmakers and studios of all kinds are excited to announce a brand new lineup of epic sequels. Godzilla Reloaded Too Fast to Godzilla The Rise of Godzilla Godzilla in Space Godzilla Goes West Godzilla Bad Breath Godzilla vs. Jaws And that's not all. Check out these other contemporary classics unearthed for the first time. Crouching Kong Hidden Zilla Godzilla Kong Strikes Back Dude, Where's My Godzilla? Godzilla, Return of the King. The Bride of Godzilla. Godzilla, Lizard and the Big Apple. And more and more. Be on the lookout for these amazing titles streaming on HBO Max Summer of 2022. All right, Taylor, we're back. You know what? That King Kong, I didn't realize he had such a lovely speaking voice. Yeah, very well, well spoken, articulate, and uh, well mannered. Wow. Yes. How about those titles too? Are those are the films? Oh my gosh, I I can't I wait. Did not know that they so many. And, wow. But yeah, now we're back, and as we had said before, we talked a lot about more of the origins and uh, of these two amazing movie monsters and it was kind of funny you know thinking back a little bit about godzilla that he was a movie monster but he was like the the original radioactive monster and there or a radioactive creature there wouldn't be a radioactive character created until spider-man actually fun fact about that 1962 he was like the first thing but um you know we we wanted to hint about this of course then a little bit later you know teen pre-teen years our experience with godzilla would be and that would yes. be Godzilla 1998, Roland Emmerich. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> this, of course, has been derided and, and dragged through the mud, and <laughs> especially the Japanese film industry. Uh, not our, it's uh, known as uh, Gino, uh, Godzilla in name only. <laughs> Godzilla. So uh, this film, though, when this came out, I was really like, this is the coolest thing ever. I really enjoyed it when it came out. 
as a kid. I still do. I still yeah. have a, I still have a, a, a you know, I still kind of have, have a soft spot for this movie. It's a, it's a fun, that's for sure. It's, it's, it's definitely a product of its time. You know, it's definitely yes. a nineties movie. Roland Emmerich. If, if, you know, apart from a few other movies he's done that are not quite disaster films. Like I, I still love the Patriot. It's one of my favorite films of all time. Um, but his brand for so long has been these huge, crazy destruction destruction films. Yeah. No Independence Day, uh, 2012, the day tomorrow. tomorrow. Mm -hmm. He's done so many big movies where it's like literally it's giant destruction. And so he was the perfect man to helm. What goes on in your head, sir? Yeah. It's perfect man to do a Godzilla film. Um, so yes, first off the design of Godzilla, uh, they went with a much more of okay. They really embraced the what if an iguana really was blown up and evolved into this giant radioactive monster. So it's not quite exactly how Godzilla. I mean, it still has a lot of the features, like you know, clearly it still walks on two legs most of the time. Has yeah, like you said, the kind of Stegosaurus kind of spiky things in its yeah, back. He's able to, he's able to swim and yeah. But they really made him a little more, more of like a rectangle square jaw kind of feature, you know. You know, and, you know what inspired that was Shere Khan. Oh, okay. From Jungle Book. That's what the kind of that pronounced jaw. And if you think about it now, it makes sense. It does. But it yeah. does, though. And I, I actually, you know, I, I rewatched Godzilla, this, this version last night to uh, just kind of, you know, remember it before we start recording. There's scenes in this movie where, like, it has to not only the swimming, but like, there's scenes where like it's in the subways or like under the tunnels of New York and it has to crawl. And it makes a lot more sense because you kind of get the idea that, oh, it really can still move like a lizard when it needs yes. to. But because it's so big and strong, it then, of course, can also be on, you know, more like the T-Rex style stance, the classic Godzilla where it can stand on two legs and move about the city. So actually, I really appreciated that kind of design element. Um, and again, if you think about Godzilla from what we've known, everything previous up to 1998, again, it's been all these guys in suits. So this definitely was already like, well, this is the more badass version of Godzilla. I'm sorry to say, but like, uh, yeah, Toho and the, the Japanese, they did not really embrace the design element. They didn't like the changes, uh, but I did. I mean, I think the ultimate Godzilla is the one we have now with our modern take. That is the best version. But for this, I thought it was pretty, pretty awesome. Well, the guy, which is funny, uh, Patrick Totopoulos, <laughs> it's funny because he gets his namesake yeah. in the film. He I was know. hired by Emmerich to design it. And you look at the design of this Godzilla, completely different to what we've seen later, where Godzilla is kind of a little bulky, a little chubbier. He was, hits, he, you know, was hitting those happy meals. He, he eats. Yeah. He, yeah, eats. yeah. <laughs> he gets a good snack of here and there. So this was more lean and very more like you said lizard like so i think that was the they went in a whole different way with the design but it was very you know interesting the fact that they had this great idea with there was going to be a lot more cgi involved and again this is 1998 when cgi was still very much in its infancy and we're thinking you know years before with jurassic park you know what this would come come to come to see and a year before you know a year after i should say of the lost world Mm -hmm. And you could tell that, you know, a big hit in both those movies. Of course, the T-Rex is amazing and we all love that. But uh, people really embraced the Velociraptors in the Jurassic Park movies. So I thought it was also a smart plot move, although at some points it was cheesy and there was some jokiness to it. Um, there was 
this whole plot base that, you know, Godzilla had laid a bunch of eggs in Madison Square Garden and that the whole concept was that it was going to, you know, hatch a bunch of mini Godzillas that, of course, would run a rampart and they would, you know, start to eat people and they would grow up to be the size of their of their, you know, parent. So that was a big threat. So it was actually I, I did really like like that scene of like our kind of band of small heroes here trying to like escape the Madison Square Garden. It, but it the, added a little bit of a more scary edge to it, which yeah, I loved. and it kind of reminded me of the Velociraptors. You know, mm-hmm. the scenes where like you see the you see their just their shadows at times, and then the way that they of course walk, and it's like they're like little mini T Rex Velociraptors chase them down. Now, of course, where this film kind of went off the deep end was the hokey cheesiness throughout it's that's another thing that i think love it or hate it um there's a lot of jokes in this a lot of like trying to you know be cheesy humor um which i mean it just feels like this was a true 90s blockbuster like Mm -hmm. it wasn't trying to be serious it was supposed to be a little scary and there's some great wasn't going to give us some existential questions about life (laughs) there are some great scary scenes though like i still think that scene of the guy who's going out fishing and you know he essentially catches godzilla and the way that they visualize that you see like the two sides of like the spikes starting to come towards the the wharf in a way and then you know the guy's like freaking out and he's trying to run it was very kind of like an homage to jaws oh yeah <laughs> take my word for it charlie swim <laughs> you know when when jaws when he catches the fisherman's thing and the whole uh, the dock starting to break. That's that's what it made me think of. I was like, this is kind of an homage to Jaws, but it was such a cool visualization because you don't see you don't see all of Godzilla. You just see like the top of like its head coming towards it. And it's so eerie looking. Yeah, I thought that was a really cool scene. And there's there's a lot of that in this where you don't really see the creature. Um, so you know, it's cheesy. It's it's not the the best thing ever, but I can't really say it's a bad movie. And for a Godzilla movie, it's a pretty fun time. I mean, for for Americans' first take uh, of our our Godzilla, pretty awesome. And it was, and of course, it led to a great uh, end credit scene where end credit scenes started coming out of the woodwork, where we'd hope that oh, we're gonna have another Godzilla. Um, we of course didn't get it, but I would always, if Roland Emmerich ever came back, like I'm gonna do another Godzilla from that, I would watch it in a heartbeat. <laughs> I mean, never say never. Now moving on, a couple years later. We would get what for me is probably the best take on King Kong, uh, purely from the King Kong story itself, not of the, kind of, of the more, 1930s, uh, and, you know, the, yeah. looking at the 1933 film again, this is the kind of basic where the, the team goes to Skull Island, they discover Kong stuff happens there, and then they take Kong back to New York and all that stuff. And then the Empire State Building, that basic story, great synopsis. <laughs> that's basically what happens. Yeah, yeah. It's in three hours. Um, Peter Jackson directing in 2005, a version of this. It was three hours long. And this was really the first time we're getting a really proper uh, CGI, not only CGI, but a motion cap with uh, Andy Serkis getting to play Kong there. Of course, his mainstay for many years of uh, motion cap technology. But this was like our first real big, like great CGI look at King Kong. And this movie did not disappoint. I thought it was a blast. It, it is long. There's some moments where I'm like, oh, we might want to cut down, but had a great cast. You know, Adrian Brody, Jack Black, Naomi Watts. Um, Jack Black killed it as the director. Um, but this, it really was 
like a very this is the epitome where cgi is really coming into like you can do so much and just the visualization of kong i mean he he's huge he's massive but he can emote so much you know this is the first time we're really seeing a creature that again we talked about he is vicious and scary at times but he's also kind of a hero He's kind of a friend, you know. He's a primate. He's a, he's a primate as well. So there's a lot of emotions and and they really embrace that this kind of, you know, what would it be like to have a gorilla that is this big? And uh just oh man, some of the scenes in that movie were so well done. The the scene of him fighting off the three like kind of T-Rex dinosaurs and then the Empire State Building, that whole end sequence is still like masterful. I mean, it really is a well done King Kong film. I thought it was just epic. And it's a little tragic then. You really feel for him. And, and a lot of that credit goes to Andy Serkis and the, the career he has. Like, this was kind of like his big start. I mean, after, you know, going into obviously with Gollum, but this film of his motion capture career, you know, it's, I think that adds a lot to it that he gave Kong's character a lot of emotion and a lot of character and the, the movie ended up winning three academy awards best sound editing best sound mixing and it did win best visual effects to no surprise um but yeah I, i've always loved that one i thought it was really cool and you know we often see a lot of remakes and re-releases of old properties but this was the first time i think in a long time that we had just a you know we didn't really had a, a king kong take to this scale with the, the technology that they had. And we really haven't had one since in just terms of this story, we've, we are going to get to our, our new form of Kong, but um, for, for, yeah, it still holds up, you know, for now, now going on 16 years later, it's still such a cool movie, but um, I did want to touch on before we kind of get to our new form of Godzilla and Kong, uh, another franchise I think was kind of inspired by this was Pacific Rim. Mm-hmm series with the kaiju you know another japanese title you know the idea of these giant monsters and having these huge you know man operated robot suits that you know would fight i mean that right there still i see elements of these old movies the power rangers kind of all combining with again the technology of today that definitely was inspired by i think godzilla and king kong but we finally got an announcement, uh, you know, after like 2011, 12, whatever it might be, that there was a new Godzilla movie in the works to be directed by Gareth Edwards, who, um, if you like his work, he also did Rogue One. And um, I just remember the trailer dropping for Godzilla, which was supposed to come out in 2014, which it did. And it was this whole cool sequence of this group of people on this carrier and you know up in the sky and they're gonna go jump off with you know kind of military guys are gonna you know do the sky fall in you know situation and the whole sky was like dark and cloudy and smoky and it was this creepy like operatic music and like they just show images of them falling and they have red smoke so you can see where they are and then once they get past the level of smoke it's just like destruction everywhere on fire and they're like breathing and looking back and forth and then they just show this this kind of clouded image of this huge godzilla in the smoke and then it was like yeah. blackout and then it showed this whole trailer and they're like oh brian cranston's in this and aaron taylor johnson i was like oh this is so cool and then the end of the 
trailer just shows kind of it was an image that wasn't actually in the finished film but it's like a smoky haze you see the tail and you see godzilla turn its head and then this is like uh, still one of my favorite sound effects it's kind of like they kind of combine some of the old with a little bit of new and it's just like that scream and then it's kind of like gurgle sound and then it was like godzilla and i was like this is gonna be epic i mean i was so pumped for this movie uh did you what did you see godzilla like right when it opened i remember going like the first day it opened i i think it went to midnight I think, well, the problem is when it came out, I was still working on the cruise ships at the time. You were on the ships. So, yeah. Get out so, and, about. and I didn't have any ports that I could see it in. So I wouldn't see it till um, home movie. Uh, mm. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. And of course, this is coming off, um, you know, Brian Cranston coming off Breaking Bad and like he's starting it, like hit all these films and such. But yeah, I was just like, wow, that's how you do a Godzilla film. And I was like, oh, and I didn't think I was going to let. I didn't know if I, I saw the posters and stuff, but I didn't know if I was going to like it. And yeah, just completely blown away. And I was thinking that was just going to be a one-off. I thought it was going to be a one-off. And I didn't realize that, no, there's going to be, this is going to be whole legendary. We're starting universe. a monster verse. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, we know nowadays the big thing is, of course, connect to universes or movies that relate to each other off of the success of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, yeah, we were getting, oh, there's going to be this monster verse. Uh, and it was kind of interesting to think like, oh, this could open up a lot of possibilities. And of course, if you think Godzilla, the next thing you got to think of is, well, we got to have King Kong on there at some point. Uh, so, yeah, just a few years later, we got Kong Skull Island. And this came out in 2017. And this was a it was like a whole new take on a film where, again, it was the story of going to Skull Island, but it was not the classic of like, oh, we're going to take Kong and bring him back kind of and thing. And then, you know, he's not he's not falling in love with, uh, you know, Faye Ray's our main, character. Yeah, <laughs> our main uh, heroine. No, this was set uh, around, you know, the Vietnam War. And it was this whole, like right after the Vietnam War was ending. And it was this whole thing of uh, John Goodman was a character that, for years have been saying no there 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 is these these monsters exist and this group called monarch that is trying to study them which we were introduced to in in godzilla and so like a whole team is put together to go to skull island and see what's there and once there uh they do some things to nature which i do not agree with no. uh, trying to and that awakens uh someone on the island who is the king there well who goes with king really well uh, Kong and uh, oh man, oh, there's oh, some uh, <laughs> Burger King. Um, there's just some like scenes in Kong's Call Island that are like fun action. It is a great well, popcorn flick. Well, what an intro with him and just he's batting away. It's almost kind of kind of like laughing at how he's taken out by the little biplanes in the 1930s. It's like I'm just knocking these helicopters, and it was you know, and that's why I was like, wow, this film, and I didn't know what to expect. Like. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to enjoy that, but I was like, oh my gosh, this is cool. And I didn't realize until after watching it that it was going to be connected to the larger universe. And I was like, oh my gosh. But also, what a cast. You got Samuel Jackson, you said John Goodman, uh, you've got Brie uh, Larson, Brie Larson, Tom, Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston. Uh, it's just like John C. Riley. John C. Riley, the a great character. So a, great. A guy that's been stuck there, you know, since World War One, really, or World War Two, I think yeah. it is. I think it was World War II. Um, World War II, because yeah, 
finding Japan, which actually is a fun little connect to Godzilla right there. But um, mm. in the thing that was really the unique thing about this movie was uh, from the very beginning when we're introduced to Kong, he is much bigger than any form we've seen before. Uh, you know, the biggest form at that point was the Peter Jackson King Kong. And this Kong is like twice the size of him. <laughs> so like it was like, oh, he's a bigger boy. I, it's like King Kong's grandpa. You get the sense that he's not full fledged adult yet. You get, you know, but with somehow the hair looks and stuff, you get, oh, he's kind of like a teenager in a way, or maybe like a, you know, a young adult. Um, and we get a little more backstory to like, oh, uh, King Kong had his parents there and now they're, they've passed on and he's like, you know, he's taken on the role of, and there's a lot of nature there that is, uh, you know, protected it's the whole in balance. a way. Yeah, and he's balance, like the top yeah. of the food chain, so to speak. Without Kong, uh, there's something that lurks beneath. Yeah, these weird kind of uh, lizard things uh, with these, you know, kind of bone uh, masks. I mean, they're not masks, but like their their skulls are kind of showing. And uh, that was a great kind of enemy for them to have, you know. Usually it's always Kong has to fight some kind of dinosaur or lizard creature anyway. And that was a good way to do a new spin on it. But I mean, some of the scenes, I mean, you talk about Kong taking a tree and breaking off all the branches and then he uses it as a bat. I mean, like you can't you can't say that's not badass. That is just like so cool. Um, but it's, you know, the movie ends with kind of this group of humans that survives, understand that. All right. Leave Kong there. You know, Samuel Jackson has gone to his uh, his doom, if you will. And then there was this whole after credit scene where our heroes have been like, they've been kind of stuck in this monarch kind of bunker somewhere. You and they're like interrogated and everything. You know, we, we don't know anything. We'll just say we never saw anything. And then they're shown images on this projector of kind of like cave art. And they see an image of Godzilla. And then they see an image of King Ghidorah. And it's like, oh, we must be setting up the next movie. Mm-hmm. And that led into Godzilla King of the Monsters, Whew. which came out in 2019. And this was the big, okay, we're going to have, you know, we kind of got the Godzilla was more of a protector role in his first film. And now, you know, this is where the, for me from this point on, and I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm while we're recording right now, I'm going to be seeing, Godzilla versus Kong in just a few hours. So I'm really excited for that. Taylor, are you seeing it? I can't wait to talk to you about it. But, you know, from this point on, it's really where it's like, we really start to get annoyed by the human element in these movies. Um, we're here to see monsters fight. We're not really here to see these human stories and family dramas. Like, you know, I actually really like Brian Cranston's story in Godzilla and how his son kind of takes on this mantle and stuff. But, I, you know, this Godzilla King of the Monsters, this whole idea of they have this technology that they can use this kind of device to kind of program it to a signal and it can, it can call to either, you know, stop one of the monsters or like it understands the, you know, it's kind of like what, how they talk or like echolocation or like like echolocation, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's a lot of like, I kind of was going, okay, this is starting to get a little too, too, like, we don't need this. But the big thing was, it was, we get our cool, big, like epic King Ghidorah, like, wow. Uh, And he's huge. Like, you think Godzilla's big. He's even because he's got the long, you know, dragon heads and a lot of great uh, monster and monster action. Rodan was really cool in this. Uh, the fire kind of bird dinosaur thing. And then also uh, uh, Mothra 
was really cool. Uh, so there was it was just really visually really cool. What I could have done with a lot of the human element in the in that movie, you could have you could have done, we could have done lot, cut it out a little bit more. Minus some of the, like some of the stuff I did like. Um, I liked uh, you know Charles Dance character as this kind of villainous guy who's trying to seek out maybe these things to use for technology to maybe use as weapons, which I'm sure will play into some of the future movies. Um, but you know, it, it it still was kind of a neat way to have this. Kong Skull Island was not anyway a sequel. It was a prequel that kind of still connects to the overall arc, but King of the Monsters really was like this sequel and Godzilla versus Kong is either the end of a trilogy or it is the continuation of who knows how long this series is going to go for. Um, as of right now, I don't know of any currently announced future movies. As, as of now, I think this is kind of wrapping up that universe. It was kind of like the end game of that series but again i think it depends on how well it does because again hey money talks <laughs> well so far from what i've read even just in the day and with hbo max uh with outside markets because you know the u.s still has some states that are opening theaters godzilla versus kong has had the biggest box office success since the pandemic started so i will not be surprised because i do think money talks but um i'm very excited to see this kind of ultimate uh take with these two creatures again with the cgi we have today and the visualization that these directors can do of really bring them to life not only with the 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 look but also the sound effects and stuff so a lot of the sound quality in these movies and i always like that with godzilla in these movies there's, there's always been this kind of operatic kind of music that that plays when he shows up it really kind of gives it the god quality that like this guy is not someone to be messed with and Think of that shot. One of the shots I really appreciated in King of the Monsters, they're in that underwater bunker and they open up, you know, open up the shield so we can see. And you just see like a little bit of his light go off and he's swimming closer. And then more of his light goes off and he gets closer and he's just like this looming presence. He's there to kind of threaten them like, don't mess with me. Let me do my thing. Yeah. That's a great, like that is a great monster movie like scene. I thought that was so cool. So I'm excited to see this new one tonight. And I really, I will, you know, there's no way Godzilla and Kong are done, uh, whether it's within this monster verse or a new take down the line. Uh, and I know that, you know, Japan has still been kind of every now and then making some of the movies with a guy in a suit still. So they're still going strong. They are. <laughs> they're still going yeah. for that, you know, yeah. but. Um, Who knows where the, where the franchise will go, but we're looking forward to you know, this film and Hey, uh, definitely stay tuned. We will be reviewing, uh, Godzilla versus King Kong. Yeah. We'll um, have a Godzilla versus King Kong potential pick this week. So, uh, we're, we're going big with these guys this week cause they're just awesome. So, but I mean, again, think of 1933 up to now 2021 and then 1954 to 2021. These guys have been around for a long time and they'll be around for a long time to come. There's no, you know, doubt in that. They mm -mm. even the amount of times that they maybe perished and stuff, they keep you, coming back. You can't kill a good monster. No. So uh yeah, King Kong, Godzilla. If you had to pick one, this is the hardest question. Do you of the two, do you have one that you resonate with more? This is always so hard. Yeah, it really this is. is this is gonna be this is the big thing, a tough one. Um I think Godzilla, I've just always been a huge dinosaur fan. I'd have to go mm. Godzilla. How about you? 
you know, I, I think I have to go. It's so hard. It really is. But I think I'm going to give some love, love, some Kong love here. I'm going to give some All love right, to Kong. All right, well then... Uh... Shall we fight? <laughs> yeah. So now me and Taylor are going to fight. So, um, well, we're going to put the we'll suits catch on you guys next week. We're about to go duke it out, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but anyway, uh, so yeah, anyway, thanks for listening today, guys. I mean, so much to talk about when it comes to Kong and Godzilla. So I'm excited for the future and, uh, Oh, I can't wait to watch that movie. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Let's get ready to rumble. That's what they should. They should have that guy in the movie. It's this huge microphone comes down and like they're in the city about to look at each other. And he's like, wait, 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 wait. Let me make my announcement. <laughs> Director's cut. Thanks for listening to the potential podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the potential podcast or on Twitter at the potential pod. Or you can email us, send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email the potential podcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.